There we go. There we go. Hold on. Now we're having problems. It's just problems all over the place today. Okay. Now I got to find you again. There we go. All right. There we go. All right. Now we're set. So we'll just start all over. So this is a whole new thing. Um, let's hope this takes and I can get it off the cloud. So welcome back to Pathways. This is Todd Allen Baker with your special episode of Pathways today from my home. Uh, since I got the Christmas COVID, um, I had to do it from home today and could not go to the podcast room. So we are just doing it on the fly because my special guest, Sarah Shaney, was on the same time frame as me today instead of being on LA um, West Coast time. So we just wanted to get this done and we're just going to fly by the seat of our pants. Um, she's an extra special person to me. Uh, we used to do cruise ships together. She's a fantastic singer and a fantastic actress currently working in LA. Um, I've not seen her since I've been to New York in a couple of years after she moved to LA, but I've been watching her on her shows that she's been doing and She's just a tremendous character actor. She can just do everything. She can do comedy. She can do drama. She can sing. Um, so, you know, I was, let's just do this. And so it's a little bit different. I've never done this from my end on my computer. I've always been in the lab. So we're just going to hope this takes. And I'm going to welcome on Sarah. And welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Todd. It's so good to see you. And I'm so happy we could connect and make this happen. Oh, I'm so glad we could do this as well and we could happen. Let's hope I can get it downloaded and be technically <laughs> savvy enough to download it from the iCloud that it says it's different in the computer lab. I just record it to the computer and airdrop it into mine. So fingers crossed, I figure it out. Um, but yeah, this is Sarah and I just, you know, we'll start with the Q&A. It's good to see your face and I would love to know how you got your beginnings. And that's our, usually our general starting question. So where in this business and how did you get started? You know, I started doing this when I was super young. I think I was five years old when I did my first musical. My dad was performing the community theater. He used to be a singer. And then when he had kids and married and did the whole settle down thing, he started doing community theater. I would see him on stage and I said, I want to do that. And so I did. And then I just never really stopped. So I've done a combination of musical theater and theater all the way through, um, all the way through college. And then I moved to New York and then I continued to do theater again, straight theater, musical theater. And where um, did you go to college at? I went to school at Miami of Ohio. Okay. Miami great. University. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started actually going to college thinking I was going to be a lawyer. I didn't, I was like, ah, oh, theater is just my hobby. And so I was a political science major at Miami. And my freshman year, when I realized that they weren't really happy about casting anyone who wasn't a theater major, a professor who saw one of my auditions was like, you should be a theater major. I picked up a theater major so that way I could do shows at Miami and um, kept my political science major. But after I graduated, I moved straight to New York and then started doing theater. 
And in New York, I don't know if I know all your journey in New York. So I knew you were part of a singing group and you and your friend, and I remember seeing you guys perform. But what was your adventure when you were in New York? What was your kind of pathway through there? You know, my and pathway the was... circuit and the shows and like what, you know, cabaret, because I know you did cabarets and nightclubs and things like that. So maybe delve into that because I've not had anyone really on here. I've had cabaret singers that have done stuff in the UK, but what was the New York cabaret scene like? You know, so my New York experience was super diverse. There were a lot of ups and downs and w one opportunity would take me in one direction and another would take me another way. And I kind of just followed the Our flow. Pathways. Different pathways. Different pathways, Todd. Yes. Different pathways. Um, you know, I really wasn't that involved in the cabaret circuit. I might have performed here and there, but it wasn't a huge chunk of my experience. So if you, yeah, if you have a specific question about cabarets, let me know. But um, that wasn't really a huge part. But I would do, you know, I would audition. I would do the open calls in New York City where you wake up at five in the morning you bring a little camping chair you're outside in 20 degree weather waiting to get your number to audition for an equity show and i don't think people realize that i don't think you know young performers know that you know if you don't have an agent and you get right in that's what you do yes you are in a cattle call things have since i've left new york things have become far more humane there is an online you that you can get into. Mm -hmm. And I think that's made it better because what we would do is once we finally got a number to audition, you've been up since again, five in the morning in the cold. And then you have to go and belt like a high E and you're like, right. I, and you didn't have a chance to warm up because there was nowhere to warm up and you sing 16 bars and you spent eight hours of your day amongst hundreds of others to get that opportunity to audition. And that's the way you did it. And you just plugged away and you worked your day job and then you get cast and shows and you do it all over again. Once you get an agent, which is so imperative and I wish it was a stronger focus of mine when I first moved to New York, I didn't quite know how to do any of the things. I was just making it up as I went, getting advice from other friends that were doing it. Um, but obviously it's worth it because you keep going. But I did lots of different things. I did national tours. I did off-Broadway. I did small little 99-seat theater shows. I sang on cruise ships. <laughs> I um, I had a recording contract at one point. Uh, sang, started a rock band. Sang with a rock band with one of my best friends. Uh and then started a theater company and was doing a bunch of original plays, which was super rewarding. And was that then up I in just, New York? That was in New York. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Kind of delve into that because, I mean, you, you've just, like you said, it's been diverse since you've been up there. So, I mean, starting something and starting a company and were you the director? Were you um, in the shows or what was your role during that? I wore a lot of hats. Um, there were four of us involved and generally I would help with fundraising, um, 
there was some artistic direction, there was some directing, there was some uh, physical production as well. We all kind of shared the same responsibilities and it would depend on each show. And often I was in the shows. Part of the impetus to have a theater company was to create opportunity and to kind of shape a world that I wanted to see. And mm -hmm. it was a great chance to bring in works, original plays from all over the country that audiences were not seeing and telling a message that was important to me. And so that was the crux of why I loved it so much. And yes, and I got an opportunity to act in them as well. Not all of them, but you know, a large chunk. So that added to the fulfillment level. It took away um, everyone else's control of what is happening in the narrative of my career. I was mm -hmm. able to kind of grab it back. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important too, because those people that do that, there are so many great opportunities out there that we don't get to see mm -hmm. and perform, except if you do feel, you know, fulfill that obligation of creating your own theater company. It's kind of like a fringe, right? Like a lot of people do original things in fringe festivals. I've done some things. Okay. In fringe. Yeah. And it gives um, people opportunities to showcase their work and it might be a small snippet, but then you can go on to bigger and better things and in the fringe world that, you know, that's all worldwide. Cause I mean, there is a, you know, worldwide fringe festival. So I think that is like a brilliant opportunity for a platform to launch something that you would do in a, in a theater company that you would own, because if they got bigger and better, you would produce and direct and have that show on. Am I correct? That is correct. It's, it's uh, a laborious choice. It's so much work. And when you're creating your own project, there's so much passion, love. They're your, mm -hmm. It becomes your baby. So it's important if you do decide to do that to make sure you're doing things that you have to do, that you care about, that you're passionate about, that are really important because it takes up all of your mental space, creative energy and passion and heart. Uh, but in the world of performing, you're always faced with rejection and no's and people saying no, no, no. So the goal I've always had is to say, thank you for that. No, but what now? And you taught me that lesson. This is the <laughs> girl that taught me the lesson in her New York ways. I've been around a lot of New Yorkers in my day and time. And when I worked with Sarah, like she, she would always ask the question and I'd be like, Sarah, we can't do that. That's, that's against the rules. And she goes, well, just ask and if they say no, they'll say no. And she always just pushed that boundary. And she taught me that lesson just to go for it. Cause what's the worst word that you can hear is no. And you absolutely taught me that lesson in life that you're like, well, what did they say? No. And if it could be a yes. So take the yes opportunity if they say yes. Oh, Todd, I'm so glad that you heard that lesson. <laughs> I think, I think to a fault, I've always been rather, um, uh, had a bit of a rebel streak in the most 
vanilla way <laughs> of anybody saying no. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a great place to start. It's a challenge because my whole life I've heard no. So if I just accepted all the no's, then I would, you know, be an accountant in Ohio. So I wouldn't have left my small town, you know? Right. So finding a way to push boundaries, finding a way to make it mutually beneficial for everyone and still try to get your way, you know, that kind of thing. Get your needs met. Yeah. Get your needs met. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So after New York and you went to LA, how difficult, because a lot of people do this and people go from LA to New York, New York to LA. So what is the difference? Because you're going from a theater industry, and yes, there are a lot of things filmed in New York, to a town that is predominantly not so much theater. There's small theater there, I know, but you're going to a film industry. So what is the transition like going back and forth? Because people do both. And so what was that journey, that pathway like for you transitioning into that and going, I really, because I think with you, you are a great performer as and live, and I enjoyed you live, but the things that I've watched you do on film have been magnificent. I think that the way you transitioned into that is such a natural progression that, you know, a lot of people can't do, you know, some people are strictly theater and some, you know, some people are strictly film. So how was that transition for you? Well, first of all, thank you, Todd. That's so sweet of you to say. Um, the transition was, it was actually complicated and difficult, but once you get it, you get it. So I'll be more specific there. So I, my desire to move to LA was stemming from um, really wanting to make more money doing what I love to do. Right. And also wanting a change. I'd been in New York for a while and I just wanted to shake up a snow globe, if you will. I just kind mm -hmm. of wanted to change up what my career path was looking like. And so when I moved to LA, I had a dear friend that was already here who was so beautifully generous enough to kind of help me find an apartment. She set me up with an apartment. She actually stated over and over in this, like the friends we make in this business, keep them because that's what, you know, you need yeah. because that's going to get you your start. Networking is real. That is, it moves everything. And the goal is always to do it in a genuine way because friends do help friends. You know, you, right. people come up together, you know, when all of the expressions of when one person rises, the other person rises is, and working together as a team and collaboratively is so powerful and so important for reasons beyond success but important for your heart important for your community important for safety people to who can actually understand what you're going through it's it's everything so mm -hmm. yes correct uh yes and this gorgeous human being she even introduced me to her agent so when i moved to la i got an agent very easily without TV or film credits. I had a few TV and film credits when I moved to LA, but nothing that was significant enough to make anyone care, any agent or anyone care. So a referral, a recommendation to this agent from this friend is what got me in the door. 
And then Mm -hmm. from there, I continued to study. I was taking classes to understand the difference between theater and film. And And say that again, because we've, we've said this numerous times and education in your career. I mean, we always have to grow. So your education never stops, right? Correct. There's never a pinnacle of, you know what? I'm good enough now. So I don't need to study anymore. Like most other professions, you're like, great. I got my doctorate or, you know, I got my master's and such and such. So I'm good. I don't have to learn anymore. Well, I, I am think that always that are not in the performing arts, the reason I always want to do that is a for our performers or people that I always kind of want to emphasize this. I don't think the outside world per se thinks that, you know, once we've landed a Broadway show, once you've done five television shows, once you've danced on Broadway, once you've danced on cruise ships, you're like, yeah, I got it. There's nothing else to learn. And I think they think that, this is what we do. We don't study anymore. We went to college or we didn't go to college. We studied, we got the gig and then that's it. We just get gigs. And I think the outside world doesn't understand that we have to have continuous education to grow as well. I think they just think we're born with this natural talent. We cultivate the talent. And once we've cultivated it, we're just off and running. Correct. And that is, it couldn't be further from the truth. I'm like, you know what? I do have peers who have that mentality and they're doing fine and their journey is their journey, right? But right. for me, I, one of my teachers said something great that clicked really well. Train like an Olympic athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Olympic athletes or professional athletes are not working. They're always working out and they're always having personal trainers and they're always having coaches and works like whatever, batting sessions, whatever baseball players do, but there's never, they're not taking a week off and resting their body or whatnot, because they have to be in prime shape to do Mm -hmm. what they do. And that translates to all of performing singers, dancers, actors, stage theater, and there's always something to learn. So, I mean, I often vary my classes. They might be workouts. Um, this class that I'm in now is basically a weekly workout on zoom because a lot of the medium of our auditioning is self tapes. They're not in Mm -hmm. person. So you're using the medium that you would normally use for your auditions. And my class is filled with series, regular people who are, who have huge careers and we're always working out and doing scenes with an incredible teacher. And, um, it's just keeping you sharp all times. Mm -hmm. I'm, in an incredible, I'm taking voice lessons with an incredible teacher, Doug Peck, who trains so many amazing working vocalists. And we sing once a week, even though I've been singing my whole life, you know, like there's there's always something to learn. There's always room for improvement and there's always growth. And that way you're ready to, when the right opportunity comes along, you're sharp, you're in the best shape and ready to go. So we've heard it from a lot of Broadway actors and we they've done a little bit of film. And what is it like when you're on set? Let's kind of delve into that because yeah. it's totally different. And each thing that you've done, if you've never seen Sarah, like, you know, it could be 
high power drama like CSI or she was on um, Fantasy Island and then you've done comedy. So each set and you've worked with some big name stars. So what's that like when you get on set and what's the feel from a drama point of view when you're on a drama set to where you're like on a comedy set? Like what's the atmosphere in that? Um, well, before I answer that specifically, one huge difference, I think, for any theater folks who are watching this, a huge difference for on set is you don't get rehearsals. You show up ready to work and the cameras, you might get a rehearsal for a camera and blocking so that the sound people and camera people and the director all know what's going to happen and what they're going to see on screen. But you you show up ready to go. You're you have not a table getting... read first sometimes, right? Yeah, and it depends on the show. Sometimes you have a table read, but that table read isn't for the actors. That table read is for the writers and the producers and the directors to make sure they like what is coming. To see to where the table. things land. If it's a comedy, to see if the joke takes, to see if like exactly. we need to rewrite. But like your rehearsal is your blocking. Here's your mark. Here's your tape mark. Yeah, and we're going to rehearse it once or twice, and then we're filming. And they expect you to bring what you did in your audition to the table. And you'll work you'll work with directors and they might give you some notes and redirects here and there, but that's a huge difference. Cause in theater, you're usually spending about five weeks or so letting the role marinate, really working on it, really doing this. And all that needs to happen before your audition in a day, because you usually get an audition notice a day before. So that skill needs to be so sharp and quick and you need to be able to make choices, memorize quickly and be able to repeat what you've done over and over again. Because on on camera, you're doing multiple takes from different angles and they don't mm -hmm. want you to do it differently because they're going to splice together each of your choices in the edit. So you need to be able to be consistent and deliver the same performance each time with freshness and with the same, this is the first time I'm saying it, feeling. Yeah. So uh, you're saying like, okay, so we're going to do the scene. We're going to film it from this angle and we're going to do the scene again, but you need to say it the exact same way, sit your mark, do everything so we can get a second and third take to splice that together, depending Correct. on the camera angle. Correct. So you wow. can't be crying in one moment and then the next moment not be crying because your emotional state needs to be the same. So that's um, part of the skill set. And that's part of training and that's part of mm -hmm. experience. So that's something kind of back to what we were talking about before. But in terms of the difference between comedy and drama, you know, it really isn't the biggest difference. It's funny. Um, sometimes on the comedy sets, the mood is more serious. And sometimes on the drama sets, the mood is lighter. Wow, and I wow, think really? it's because I think it's because the actors and the crew are dealing with such heavy material that there needs to be when the director says cut and they're not rolling, there needs to be that levity and that break to sustain <laughs> to sustain being a human and being able to cope with such intense stuff. And then comedy, um, maybe people are saving it for the camera because <laughs> it's usually pretty dramatic. Um, I have a funny or really cool little story about an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that I did. Mm -hmm. So Curb Your Enthusiasm stars Larry David 
And Mm -hmm. the director is one of Larry David's writing partners um, and does, has done Seinfeld with him, has done everything. So these two guys work together, have worked together for years. And on the set of Curb Your Enthusiasm, everything is dealt with like an improvisation. So even my audition, I got a scenario that they wanted me to improvise. They gave me some boundaries and they were like, just keep it as real as possible and go and create a world. And that's what I did for my audition. So when I booked it, um, I was also told that all of it could change. So I just showed up knowing to be (laughs) well-rested and to have fun because I had no idea what was going to be happening or who I was going to be playing or whatnot. And then you explained the scenario and it unfolds by Larry David. And my episode also involved Tracy Ullman and then had some of the other regulars, Cheryl Hines and the woman who plays Susie. And so these these folks have been the top of their game forever. Oh, yeah. Tracy so Ullman, I, like comedy legend. Correct. And, you know, before we started shooting, she and I would discuss some things and she'd be like, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? So there were some elements that I knew that we could work on, but basically Mm -hmm. they would say action and you just kind of go with what is happening with these incredible actors. And you just have to make sure you're showing up and knowing where you fit in. And I was kind of improvising my lines and then they would say cut. And they would say, great, let's keep this part. Let's add this part and let's add this part and let's change the order of that. Cause I really liked the pin line and they would just build the scene that way. And how, I mean, I was so fortunate to be amongst those geniuses, but it was so cool to see a TV show being created that way because I had never done anything like that. And I think the key to me telling that story is everything's a little different. Mm-hmm. Every every job you have is way different and you never know what to expect Um, unless you're on a show for years and you're a series regular, then you kind of know what to expect. Like you kind of, you know, everybody you're working with, you know, what's happening, but otherwise you're showing up for a week, couple weeks, or even just a day. And you just need to be ready for anything. And just make sure you don't crumble under the pressure. (laughs) Right. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm, I, I think that, you know, it's good that you could transition because a lot of people can't. Like, I don't, I don't think I would have ever, I never had the desire to do film because I don't think that was my personality. And I don't think with my, you know, if I could have trained maybe, but like I wasn't a film person. I knew like I was probably just strictly theater and that's where I should remain. So I never had that desire to transition into LA. Um, And I think some people do one or the other or people can transition. And I think it's a special talent that people can transition. But I just knew my lane and I just didn't really think that my face, my voice, then this, I wasn't meant for film. So I kind of knew that's where I belonged was on stage, but I think it's a special gift that people that can transition back and forth. I think, I think it, obviously their talent is really important, but I do think it's a skill that can be learned. 
as mm-hmm. well. Um, if the desire is there, if obviously. And I think for me, it was more the desire that was just kind of like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If you weren't feeling it and it's a different medium, you don't have an audience. Right. You're not getting feedback from an audience. When you're on stage, you get an energy, whether they're vocal or not vocal, you kind of, you feel what's working, what isn't working. And you're working with a team of other actors where that energy is shared. And TV and film, sometimes I'm shooting my scenes without the other actor. I'm shooting it to the camera as if I'm talking to someone. So that's way different. And it involves a way different level of concentration and imagination. And that's where, again, training and practice comes into play so that when that camera is rolling, you can block out all of this because you've got a huge sound stage. You've got you've got a boom mic right over your head. You've got other people, grips, all these people like two feet away from you, but they're not on screen in order to create the camera magic and a camera right in your face. But you have to imagine that you're talking to you know, a little kid telling them something tragic or, you know, delivering a joke. So it's all about what's my distance of communication? Who am I speaking with? Who, what is it about? All of the foundations that we have in scene work are the same. Mm -hmm. It's just about how you apply them and what the energy is in applying them. So do you feel like now that you've had this taste do you want to stick there or is there a part of you that wants to go perform live again? It's funny. Uh, I am, I've been having a impulse to perform live again. Uh, I mentioned my amazing voice teacher, Doug Peck, and mm-hmm. the work that we've been doing has been really inspirational. It has been really stirring up that musical theater drive again in me. I did a workshop of a new musical this past uh what are we in the fall? Mm-hmm. And I would love to see this musical go further. Hope that's always the goal when you're doing a workshop of a new piece. And it involved right. incredible, the cast was incredible, the creative team is incredible. And that fed the beast a little bit too mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back on stage. So I guess the the short summation of that is yes. I have a desire to do live again. Uh, we just finished an actor strike. And during that time, I was like, I should be doing theater right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my ultimate goal is all of it. I would love to be bi-coastal. I would love to do a movie, then do a Broadway show, and then have my own series. I've also been producing a lot, a lot of film. And to be able to do that simultaneously as well. That's the goal, to do all of it. Just to do, I mean, because yeah. we're never done. I mean, there's always another goal to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So during this time, I mean, it's a different. Now, a lot of people I've talked to like have stayed centralized. So when I do this question, it's either we've all been on Broadway or we've done this or we've had this one career trajectory that we've done. So you're kind of the first person I've asked where this question of, because you made a tougher transition back and forth, back and forth, 
Was there ever a period in time, and it's different for you because you're a say yes person, was it frustrating and did you want to give up? Because you you did like the tough work. Because I know it's tougher to get into LA sometimes than it is to New York. Yeah. Is it frustrating? One million thousand billion percent. For sure. It's so this choice of being a performer. Right. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. And did you have a backup plan or did you just like, I'm plowing through? Let's see. I've never had like a backup plan per se, or one of those things where people are like, I'm going to give it 10 years. Mm -hmm. What I've had is adjustments and pivots. Okay, Okay. this isn't working right now, but I'm getting a lot of success in this direction. So I'll go in this direction. Like when I had a band or when I had a recording contract, I was doing less stage work. I wasn't doing plays at the time. So I was focusing my energy here. And then, oh, and then this opportunity comes along. So I'll go here, um, this, or I'm like, I'm getting a lot of no's here, here in this direction, let's say. So how can I reframe that? Where, where can I find my door or open my window to turn that around? So I've never said I'm going to quit. I've never said this is it. I've always said, okay, I need to do some redirection and I need to work smarter, not harder. So what can I do? And in all of that and all taking all of those different pathways, there've been what you could classify as being failures. Um, you could classify like rejection. I would and, call them learning moments, right? I wouldn't call them yeah, failures. They're learning moments. Yeah. yeah. When you're, when you're in them, it can feel a number of ways. And I, you know, my, fellow performers all have different reactions to no's. I look at them as part of the package. Mm -hmm. Statistically, you're going to get a bunch of no's before you get a yes. And I feel like my whole life has been something that I had to fight for. Like I never felt like Mm -hmm. things were handed to me. So I was used to being like, of course, they're going to say no first. So I've got to work smarter harder and be better than everyone else in order to get that yes that came so easily for that person. So that's just kind of been part of my my journey. And it gave me the confidence at a young age to know that I will land on my feet no matter what, that I will always figure it out. And who was your biggest support system during all this? Um, God, I have the most amazing friends. I, first me, I would say it has to come within. Because you can't. I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. Yeah, because you can't constantly seek out validation or someone else telling you will be okay. Because, of course, your friends are going to tell you that or whatnot. You really Mm -hmm. have to believe in yourself and you really have to trust your plan. And you have to trust, like, I believe that I have something to offer. I believe that I am good enough to achieve. Mm -hmm. So that when you hear the no's, you're like, of course, I get it. This is part of the world. I can't take it personally. And I'm going to work that much harder. Or I, or that had that rejection had nothing to do with me. So I have to let it roll off. And that's why it's important to stay busy and feed your creative soul. So if you're not working or booking at that moment, you're not feeling like you're dying on the vine, like a grape not getting, you know, withering away. Right. Um, but then the support system of friends and family 
everything. If you had people who didn't believe in you around you telling you, maybe you should think about doing something else. That's what, that's what you're feeding your body and your soul and your mind. That's mm-hmm. what you're hearing. And it seeps in. So you've got to get rid of the negativity and be around people that build you up, make you feel good, that are real with you as well. You don't want, you don't need people who are telling you fake yeses or whatever. So you've done both and maybe let me split this. What is your favorite? What is your favorite theater live performance memory? And what's your favorite on film memory and why? Oh God. Let's start with, let's start with TV film because it's more recent. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see. You know, this this answer is based on so many circumstances. So you mentioned an episode of Fantasy Island that I did. That experience oh, was the Melrose Girls. I was in love. Uh, yeah, we what was beautiful about that is that we were flown to Puerto Rico. Um, it was in the middle of COVID, so my world i had just finished producing a film in big bear in the middle of covid and it was exhausting Mm -hmm. and it we spent a month in big bear but it was an incredible experience so i got to be around all these people for the first time in a long time like a like a Mm -hmm. like a summer camp experience and we did it safely with all the covid rules and then after that i shot no i don't i can't remember the order but I had a lot of great experiences during COVID where a lot of people weren't able to work and I was able to work. So let's go back to Fantasy Island. Uh, We were flown out to Puerto Rico. I didn't quite know who was going to be in the episode with me because you don't quite know everything, but we were there for weeks. And so we were able to enjoy the gorgeousness of Puerto Rico and an amazing resort everything's first class, right? You get all the great benefits of everything and working with uh, incredible actors. So the incredible actors that are already on the show, along with the ladies from Melrose Place. And the- I was just so excited. I was jumping up and down. (laughs) And they're just the most beautiful people. And they've remained my friends from that because sometimes when you're on TV or film, you don't, you don't get to know people so well. You're in and out. But because we were there for weeks, we, again, it was like summer camp and you're spending all this time with people. And we had this amazing director named Diane Valentine, who was incredible leader and just made the whole experience super fun. And it was great because we got to film everything mainly outdoors in the in paradise on beaches and water and it's complicated when mm-hmm. everything is is difficult but that's one of my yeah i would say that was the most recent best experience on tv that i had because of the people and because of the location and obviously i love the show and the showrunners right. and the producers are all amazing and created an incredible environment so that was And I just loved your character on there. I just loved it. That was such a fun role to play. And what a, it was, it was a great role for you. 
Thank you. I loved her too so much. And I, yeah. I, I think I saw a bit of, I mean, I've seen you do drama and I, I know the comedy side of you and I've seen you do the drama like, um, and, but for me with you in that role, like a little bit of true Sarah came out. Uh, I yeah. felt like I saw, I saw like I could feel you in that role. You were playing a role and the character was all believable, but like, I think it just meant something to me because I felt like you brought a piece of you to that. Am I, am I right in saying that? Absolutely. And in fact, that's my goal in all of my roles because everything has to come from a truthful place. So you bring, right. you're only speaking from what you know. You're only speaking right. of what you feel, but under imaginary circumstances. And that character right. was super easy for me. Like when I got the audition, I think I did like one take because it was like, oh, I know her. I know what to do. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's funny because you get other roles that are like, this feels so far from me. What do I do? And you work on bridging that gap until it's unified. But sometimes it takes so much time and research and breaking down the scene and getting coaching and watching other films or TV shows that have that could maybe help influence your choices that you're going to bring to the character. So Right. Every role, th that's one of my favorite things about TV and film is that you can do more of it. Theater is usually like right. a year long commitment and TV and film, like you can go from playing a murderer <laughs> to, uh, you know, uh, a, a lady who's celebrating her birthday on a magical island. You know, there's, right. it all changes and it feeds all of that part of you, like, brings out the little kid in you that playing make-believe yeah and what was your favorite live performance what was what was your memory there gosh should we talk about our cruise ship experiences um let's see i did love i loved working on that ship with you it was so fun uh but theater wise so good it was so fun um, so by the way, anybody who wants to pay off their student loans and see the world, go do cruise ships really, you know, for a couple yeah. contracts. Oh, I did it. That's how I and did it. it. You, That's how I did it. Yeah, you're singing and dancing your butt off, getting paid really well and going on an adventure. Uh -huh. Great. Yep. Um, I would just send my money home in the bank account and I had yeah. no idea my mom was doing all my accounting for me while I was at land because we didn't have like the Wi-Fi back then, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she just wrote me one day and I was on the phone and she was like, Hey, all your student loans are paid off. And I'm like, like what? Like yeah. all my student loans are paid off within between Broadway tours and maybe my third or second contract or year and a half. And I did ships for seven years and then touring for like a year and a half that I was done paying off all my student loans by like, and I had a lot, I was done by like four years in. I mean, it's amazing. And mm -hmm. that's another thing that we can talk about too, is saving your money so that when you are, when things are dry, yeah, when there, things are desertous, you've got something to pull back on or having a really good back, like a B job, secondary yeah. job that can help supplement so that you're not, having to make choices out of desperation financially, right. you know? 
Um, let's see, my favorite live performance theater. You know, I've done so many amazing shows, so many amazing musicals and plays. But one thing that keeps popping up is a small play that I did with my theater company. And it was called The Oath. And it was the world premiere of the production. And if I don't say so myself, we put together a gorgeous production on a pretty small budget. You know, you're dealing with off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway budget. Um, I forget whether that was off-off or off-Broadway. I can't remember what that classified, but that's usually just a budgetary difference mm -hmm. and how it's right. filed with equity. Um, right. And it's just such a beautiful play. It was a Southern Gothic tragedy. And the character I got to play was so complex. She was the villain of the piece, but she had so much heart. And so everything that she did was driven by the circumstances of the 19, oh God, forgive me, 30s and Georgia Southern. I mean, clearly I don't remember all the details, but I got to have a delicious Southern accent. Uh, and it was a play with strong female leads and I just loved digging into this character because there was so much about her that I didn't know, that I didn't mm -hmm. get. So I learned so much about the history of the time. Clearly, I'm not remembering everything. But I got to really, really sink my teeth into this beautiful role. And the cast was tremendous. So every performance every night was so alive. You know, there was never a moment of checking out doing things by routine because you've been doing the show for so long everything was so juicy and so nuanced and it's when you have that those moments like it's so invigorating you're all of your synapses are firing you're working at the top of your intelligence and the way mm -hmm. that that feeds my soul is everything like that is my and that's what you're my talking heroine, about that's what you're talking about between the difference, when we go back to like, you know, you're just there in a soundstage by yourself looking at a, a camera and there's people around mm -hmm. you and nothing. And the energy and the feed that you get from your castmates on stage and the audience joining in, mm -hmm. that's that's the realness of mm, the electrifyingness yes. of that. And that's the total, I think you just kind of full circle that that's, that's, the passion of live theater as well. Yeah. So they're both highly addictive. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. Both highly addictive. Yep. Uh, it's, huh. I think it's just, I think it's great that, I mean, this is like the first, you know, transition into film and television and stage that I've had. And so it's been a joy to have you on and, have people do that. I've had dancers, I've had singers, I've cabaret people, I've had, you know, different types of people. So I'm so glad that you could give us an insight into something different that we've not had before. So you've been a unique guest um, on that. And it's just been a pleasure seeing your face again. And hopefully maybe I can get out to um, the West Coast again here sometime soon. Yes. And, and I always kind of end the show this way. Um, 
something that I wrote. Um, remember, pathways are like the path when the sun touches the water. You don't know where it leads or ends, but you never know until you walk that path. Beautiful, Todd. Oh, thanks. And you know what? Busy Bee, Lauren, when she was yeah. on here, yeah, she put a twist on it that like there's always an A, B, C path. Like what if there's a rock in the middle of the path? And what if it has to split? Yeah. How yeah. do you get over that rock? Right. You got to go around it. Be, there are always going to be rocks. Otherwise, everybody yeah. would be doing it. There, rocks are everywhere. So you got to yeah. figure out, swim over, swim under, swim around. Yeah, figure out the pathway. Yeah. Embrace the rock. <laughs> Embrace the rock. Embrace the rock. Uh, I'm so glad that we could try to get this together. And COVID didn't prevent me from anything. I got it all together. And I was yeah. lucky. No, I have dogs around. No dogs were running around barking. I, I got through a clean session. So hopefully I can get this downloaded from the cloud because this is totally different than when I do it in the lab and everything takes. But I just appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I love you. I miss you. And it's just been a pleasure. And thank you for sharing your gifts with us today. I truly appreciate that. Thank you for inviting me on, Todd. I love and miss you so much. Oh, I miss you too. It's just been a joy. I mean, we just had fun times and just seeing your face again and just the laughs. And it's always a great time. So you hang on here. I'm going to close the show and then okay. I'll just push the pause button and, and you stay on here and we'll chat. But I would like to thank everyone for joining us from my home today. Um, so, well, thank you for joining Pathways. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Um, and we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Thank you.